Let's start uh, today with the scripture. Uh, it's out of Matthew 15, 21. I remember reading about how after a talk, the thing you remember the most is the thing that's said first. So let's start with the scripture. If you're going to remember anything, let's remember, let's remember the Bible. Uh, so Matthew 15, 21. This is kind of the focus of today. And Jesus went... Yeah, I got it good. Okay. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, Tim saying. Send her away from send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take, chi- uh, to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs, crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was instantly healed. Lord, I just pray that you would open up this scripture for us, Lord, that you would help your beloved to understand every word that comes from your mouth as a living, breathing understanding on how to move forward in your kingdom. I pray that you would help me to speak about this today and help us to hear your word afresh and help it to be encouraging for us. Amen. Okay, so we're in a series on forgiveness, and today... I want to talk about offense. It's actually a series on uh, forgiveness and offense because they're related. And uh, offense is the beginning of the forgiveness process. When self, and one of the things I focused on was whether you actually needed to forgive yourself at all, whether it was appropriate, because oftentimes it's not. And in the same way, today we're going to be talking about if you've had an offense against you, the first thing to figure out is not how to forgive, but to figure out whether you actually need to forgive, whether it's appropriate to forgive, because oftentimes it's not. How many relationships have been broken because of offense between people in the church and because of feeling offended? So this is so important. We want to make sure that it's actually a wrongdoing and not just the perception of a wrongdoing. Uh, When Simeon was, um, Simeon's five right now, and when he was three, he was at a pet shop, um, I don't know, Petland or something, and they were walking around, and at Petland, they open up you know, the cages so you can pet all the cuddly animals, which looks like it's for the animals so that they can get petted, but really, you know, parents know what that's about, right? It's, they open up these cages so that the kids can pet them so they can get attached, and so that it's hard to leave the store without something, somebody crying and somebody saying, I want a cat, or something like that. So anyway, we, she was there with, uh, with the kids, And Simeon, uh, on his own, went out, he's three, and he went out and he was petting the cat. And Natasha pulled him back and said, you need to to stop, you need to wait and ask before you do this. It was fine, he wasn't hurt or anything, but it's just like, before you go and pet animals, just make sure you ask. And so he said, okay. And even at three, Simeon was a very obedient child, right? So it's like, okay, done. He said, sure. But then uh, she let him go, and he walked right back up to the cat, and she's watching him, and kind of looked at the cat, and he said, may I pet you? (laughs) (laughs) 
Very obedient. <clears throat> well, we don't want these kinds of misunderstandings in our faith. We don't want these kind of misunderstandings to make sure we look at this. Now, to look at this scripture, um, I want to start just quickly with the end because I want to put it firmly in your minds about who Jesus is. We have to remember who Jesus is before we look at what he says and what he does so that we don't get confused as we go. O woman, great is your faith. O woman, great is your faith. Exclamation point. Be it done for you as you desire. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So that's who Jesus is. I don't want you to forget it as we go through the scripture, because it's a confusing one. I love confusing scriptures, because when you go, and her daughter was healed instantly. He is a healer. He is a healer. Jesus is a healer. I don't want you to forget that as we go through this. Be it done for you as you desire, O woman of great faith. He is a recognizer of people's faith. And he is excited about people's faith. He was excited about her at the end. And it's an amazing story because I don't think Jesus lies. And he says just a few words earlier to her and to the disciples, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, was he lying? I don't think so. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There's a closed door. It's closed and it's locked. God has just declared, this is a closed door. I was sent. My, my mission is to the house of Israel. And yet, just a little bit later, he says, be it done for you as you desire, O woman of great faith. And he's excited, and he heals. There's a door that is closed that is open, and Jesus wants to open it. That is who he is. Now, this is really relevant for me. We came back, we were just at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, we got a prophetic word. I got a prophetic word, and it was really good. And um, you know how, I, I don't know if you guys know, well, this may be how it works for me, this isn't in the Bible, but for me, I have a natural story. Like, if I was gonna write my biography, it'd be one, whatever, book or whatever. But I also have this prophetic story, and it coincides with the biography. I have natural things that have happened in my life, and then as I've gone through my life, I've had different prophetic words and stories and images that have gone with my life the way that God has seen it at different periods. Sometimes it's looked different. It's just really looked different at different times in my life, what God has been saying over me. And when we were there, this person didn't name any of my biography. It wasn't you know, phone numbers or anything like that, but all of the images that were used were my prophetic story. It was these images that had been given to me over time. So she was clearly seeing, it felt like she was seeing me, and one of the things that she was saying at the end is that, Cyrus, you have been uh, given the keys to open and close doors, and you can walk in that authority, you know, in the Joshua scripture of going into new territory and where your feet will walk. You can open and close doors. You have authority as a, as a mission, as a, and I believe as a church, as leadership, you have the authority to set things in place and, and determine the reality, the spiritual reality. This is interesting, right? We actually have power to determine the spiritual reality that we walk in. We have authority to determine the rules. It's too awesome to believe. He says to Peter, 
This is in here. I didn't write this after this morning's prayer. I will give you, Matthew 16, verse 19, I will give you the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, it's clear in the scriptures that the Gentiles would be reached with the gospel. It was always in God's heart. It's God's dream to reach the whole world. So that's not new. It's a dream in God's heart. But it's also true that Jesus was not sent to reach the Gentiles. But it's his dream. It's a reality in the kingdom, but it's in the future. And this woman does something incredible. She opens up a door that is to be open, but is not open yet. She pulls a future dream in God's heart and opens it now for her. People say, what's the key? You know, you've been given the key. Maybe you've had that prophetically spoken over. You've been given the key. Well, today I want to examine somebody who was given a key and used a key to open a door. I I don't know if you remember, but I had a prophetic experience. I woke up in the middle of the night. I felt this presence on me, and I was speaking in tongues, and the tongue was felt like the Spirit speaking through me in English, fortunately, so I could understand it. And it was, it was talking about ministry and opening and closing doors, opening and closing doors in people's hearts and in people's minds. He wants us to open people's hearts, and he wants us to open people's minds to him. Okay. So I wanted to give you the carrot. This is why I'm studying this, is because this is a woman who has actually opened a closed door. And I want to know how to open closed doors, and she did it. So let's figure out how she did it. Now first, let's look at how God closed the door. This just is a difficult scripture for any kind of sensibilities that we have. And let's look at that first. God's response to this woman. So she's coming to him and she's saying, have mercy on me. She's a Gentile, but she's saying, oh Lord, son of David. She's trying to be Jewish. She's like, I'm Jewish. I, can, I know you're Jewish. What can I say? And she's saying, you're son of David, right? You know, I'm going to try to understand you in your way. And the first thing he does that's just offensive is he doesn't answer her a word doesn't answer her a word. He ignores her. And her, his disciples aren't, you know, blind to this, and they say, get rid of her. You're not even talking to her. She's following you around. She's bothering you. Let us get rid of her. He didn't answer her word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she's crying out after us. She's bothering us. First of all, have you ever had God not answer? Can you identify with this woman where you're crying out, oh, son of David? We don't talk about this, right? Have you ever felt that silence of God not answering you a word? And have you ever felt his disciples telling you to shut up? Maybe it's not quite that harsh, because this is a church. But maybe it's like, yeah, we prayed about that. Let's pray about something else now. But I'm still following up. Let's leave the master alone. Maybe he's answered you already. Have you ever had the disciples discourage your prayer? Send her away. She's crying out after us. It's hard, because when you're crying out after Jesus and he's ignoring you, everybody can see that he's ignoring you. And it's kind of disconcerting to see God ignore somebody crying out in such a desperation, right? And it's like, oh, do we have to hear you pray for this again? He didn't answer you. Just, it's just hard to watch. Okay, the next thing he says. 
I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I wasn't sent to you. I wasn't meant to give you this. It's not part of your destiny. It's not part of my call on your life right now. Have you ever felt that from God? It's not your gift. This isn't you. It's not what I have for you. Ooh. But she came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. She gets right in his way. Lord, help me. She won't give up. She's persistent. And he answered her, and this is the worst and the best. It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, I don't know if he said that with a smile and a smirk. A lot of people try to get Jesus out of this somehow. But I, don't, I just don't think he did. I think he said it. I think he said it. It's not right. Because you know what? He has a pattern of doing this. He has a pattern of saying offensive things. Right? Either he was really sarcastic or he really said offensive things. You know? Like, I think he did it. I think he did it. I think he said, it's not right. And you know what? To call them a dog? I mean, we think of dogs. We don't really have people who are called dogs that much. You know? We think of dogs as being kind of cute and cuddly. And it's like, well, it's kind of offensive, but it's not that. Think about the horrible things that we say about, or people say about cultures that are not them. I'm not even going to say them, but there are words that we have that, the, that people develop for other people to insult them. Some of them we don't even say. We just name, like, it's that word. Think about those words that we have, that our culture has, for other groups. They're horrible. That's what this is. So imagine Jesus coming up to somebody who's from another culture, and saying the most racial slur that you can think of. God wasn't sent to the blank. He was sent to the house of Israel. This is a word that's been used repeatedly by the Jews in order to insult. That's what this is. It's a racial slur. I don't want to make it nice because it's Jesus. Again, we're not forgiving what's not offensive. This is not a wrongdoing. Are you offended by how this woman was treated? Were you offended when you felt this from God yourself, when you felt cast aside? It's offensive to hear God talk this way to this woman. I have spoken to many people who have been very offended with God. I remember speaking, I've spoken with people who have been offended with God in various, various, and I've heard this more than once, I remember speaking with a young woman and she was so offended with God that she said, even, I don't believe he exists, but even if he existed, I would not follow him. Even if it's all true and he was the only way into heaven, I'd rather go to hell than be with a God like that. And you know what? I don't really know how much this is really a question in our culture of belief versus non-belief or like apologetics, you know, and all of that kind of debate, I think this is more of a question in our culture of God offends me because his sensibilities are different from my sensibilities. I don't agree with him. I'd rather do it my way. In other words, my morality is better than God's. I have more justice 
in my life than he has in his. People are offended by him and feel superior to the God of Israel. And that's not just outside the church. Every time you hear a preacher apologize for something that Jesus said, I just want you to think about that. Jesus didn't really mean it that way. Jesus was a little grumpy that day. We all get grumpy, right? He was human. He got, got a little grumpy that day. He didn't mean to curse the, the, the fig tree. Why would he do that? He was just a little grumpy. He knew what was coming. Had a bad day. Ate a bad fig. I don't think so. We don't need to apologize for him. Okay, so let's look at how this woman got the door slammed in her face and how she responded. How did she respond? Because she opened it. Now she said, first of all, hmm, maybe I'm going to skip here. I want to go down to this. When you feel that offense inside of you, when you feel that offense inside of you, there's a scripture that applies to this. Because it looks like a wrongdoing, but it's not. And we know it's not because it's Jesus. So we know this is a perceived wrongdoing, not a real wrongdoing. So this is the scripture that I think applies. Do you remember the scripture of the log in your eye? That if you see something that's offensive in somebody else, but it's not actually a wrongdoing, that you need to take the log out of your own eye before you can take the speck out of his. Now, there's not even a speck. This is Jesus. It's not even a speck, and yet we see our own offense. And what's the offense? It's pride. I would never do that to somebody. I would never do that to somebody. God messed up. So we need to take the log out of our own eye, and, and the log is pride. She said, first of all, she continued to follow after him, and she said, through her persistence, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She accepts it. She accepts it. Remember Luke 18? At the, at the front of the church, there's a church leader, and he's saying, thank you, Lord, for making me better than everybody else. You have been so gracious unto me. Unto me you have given the spirit of righteousness, unlike these other sinners, and I even am thankful for it. And then you have the tax collector in the back of the church crying because he sees his sin. And who is forgiven? Who is actually forgiven? For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. She completely humbles herself. And she says, I am a dog. Now, it's confusing. I know it's confusing because we talk about how we're the bride, how we're the friend, how we're the child of God, right? And all of a sudden, it starts to become an entitlement. But we're not actually naturally the bride. We're not actually naturally the child or the friend or even the slave. We are naturally hellbound. That is our natural identity. Everything else is complete extravagance and mercy. So when he calls us a dog, 
It's like you could have called me worse. You could have called me worse. He who humbles himself will be exalted, and he who exalts himself will be humbled. We are only exalted by him into the position of a bride. Amen, eh? He can exalt us, but we can't exalt ourselves. And if he humbles us, where do we go? We have nothing. We have nothing on our own without him. So she humbles herself, and she takes it on, and she says, you could have called me worse. Thank you for calling me a dog. Because if I was hellbound, I wouldn't even get crumbs. So what are these keys that she has shown in this? The first is persistence. He is first meets her with silence. And she kept asking, even though there was silence. The second one is humility. She accepted her position before God. I am what you say I am. I mean, we love that song, right? I am who you say I am. Oh, shoot, you called me a dog. <laughs> what do we do then? I thought that was only friend, child, bride. I am who you say I am. We are what, I mean, who are we? We are only what he says we are. Second Kings 5.10. Nahum comes to Elisha and says, heal me. He expects a trumpet and a band, brass band. And Elisha says, I'm not even going to come outside. Go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman says, he was angry, and he went away. He eventually did wash himself after being coaxed into it by a servant, and he was healed. But he had to humble himself. He had to humble himself, and he said, I'm not even worthy to be spoken of, to be spoken to directly by your prophet, Lord. Not my river, but your river be done unto me. I am who you say I am. So she accepted her position. She said, oh good, he didn't say I'm going to hell. I get to be a dog at his table. I get to be a dog at his table. Oh, he didn't send me to hell. What do dogs get? What do dogs get? What do dogs get? Dogs get crumbs. Dogs get crumbs. She got prophetic understanding of God's character. Did she think this up? I don't think she did. Let's look at some other prophetic understandings that have unlocked realities. The centurion, another Gentile. And he said to me, and he said to him, I will come and heal him. This is Jesus. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. I have not found faith like this in all of Israel. I am not worthy. You didn't even say I was a dog. And Lord, I'm not even worthy to have you come in my house. I know who you are. Just say it from a distance. He who humbles himself will be exalted prophetic understanding, disagreeing with the Lord and saying, you want to come into my house? I disagree. I know who you are. Peter, that's the one we were talking about before, 
Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You are, he was saying, who am I? And, and Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you for this prophetic understanding. That was not given to you by man. That was given to you by the Father who is in heaven. You have been in relate. Who have you been talking to that, that you know that, that you see things with greater clarity than everybody else? Who have you been talking to? And then here comes the blessing. You are blessed. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. All he knew was his identity, one little bit of understanding of who Jesus was, and he gets the church. He gets these keys. This Gentile woman who was called a dog was given understanding of God's heart. If somebody is silent to you and doesn't answer you, that is socially enough to know that they don't want to talk to you. If, if you were in my office and you said, I was trying to talk to somebody, they wouldn't talk to me, I would say, maybe you should stop. You know, some social skills. You know, they don't want to talk to you. You don't want a protection order. Stop talking to them. It's called stalking. But she knew God's heart. She knew God's heart. She was given prophetic understanding that even when she was called a dog, she said, I know who you are. I know who you are, Jesus. I've been told who you are by something. You've been talking to somebody. And then God is excited by that prophetic understanding and pulls a future reality that's not yet present and opens the door. God desires to bring his kingdom on earth, and faith makes it so. She used her key, that prophetic understanding, to pull something from the future. And it opens heaven, and her daughter is healed. It's the first open door. It's the main open door she was looking for, but that's not the only open door. Just like Peter was called a rock, but he was given the church for his prophetic understanding of the future and God's heart and God's identity in that case, it's just the first healing of many. Jesus did most of his ministry in Israel. He did the odd healing of people who were Gentiles. But directly after this encounter, he walks around and heals a crowd of Gentiles. The first time he's done, he heals a crowd. It opens up healing for the entire Gentile nation to come forth, and he sits on a mountain, and he heals everybody. doesn't say he heals everybody. I'll read it. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on a mountain and sat down there, and great crowds came to him, bringing him the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they put them at his feet, and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered. When they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, they glorified the God of Israel. Why would they say the God of Israel? Because it wasn't Jews. They were glorifying the God of Israel. Directly after this, he goes up on a mountain and heals the community because the door was open. I have not come to the Jews. 
but give us some crumbs, Lord. I know who you are. Open it up. I have not found faith like this. Be healed, and I will heal your nation. There is a blessing when one person can open a door. One person can open a door for many. Jesus came and opened the door for the world, gave Peter the keys. One man, Son of God, opened the door for the entire world. And this woman, who was ignored and cursed, she walked through every curse that was spoken about her. She walked through them and she said, I know who you are. I know who you are. I know who you are. I will not be offended by all the curses that have been spoken over me. This is not the first time that she was called a dog, that she has heard Israel proclaim that they were dogs. She knows her identity in Israel's mouth, and yet she walks through it and she says, that is who they say you are. They say that they say to me and to my nation that we are dogs, but I know who you are, Lord. She is not deterred by the unprophetic word over her nation. But aren't you a dog? She says, Lord, I may be a dog, but you love us. I know who you are. And that prophetic understanding is a key to open up spiritual authority. Now, opening up understanding between ourselves and God is similar to actually opening up understanding between yourself and another person in relationship. If you feel like you've been offended by somebody, you could walk away. But you need to be persistent, like this woman. You need to say, I will not let this relationship go. I'm not saying that you should become a stalker. Please don't hear that. Persistence, though, in trying to understand. Humility, you don't assume. Don't write it off. Don't make the assumption based on initial appearances when you're dealing with somebody else. And then finally, prophetic understanding. If you can get a prophetic understanding of that other person and their perspective and why you've been offended by them, it opens the door. Have you ever been reconciled to somebody after a misunderstanding? It goes from nothing, right? And then you're like, wait a minute, did you mean this? And they say, yes, I meant that. Well, I meant this. And it's like, oh my goodness. This was all for nothing. And do you just kind of stop there? And it's like, okay, oh, we had a misunderstanding. Let's go on and continue to be distant from each other. When you open that door of misunderstanding, you're given the kingdom. You have that person's heart again. You get to come over for dinner. You get a whole relationship, potentially not with just them, but with their whole community. If you offend a father, are you going to be able to just go and see the family? But if you open that door, you're, you can walk through it. And you don't just, oh, I get to walk through it one step. You get that whole world opened up to you again. That whole thing that's been shut down. And it's the same with God. If you can open up a new understanding with God, if you can open that door, you get everything behind the door. You get everything behind the door. She didn't just open up healing for herself, that first step in the door. She opened up healing she opened up the treasure of God's kingdom. You knew who I was, even though it wasn't clear. Isn't that what all of us are facing on the earth? 
the entire system of the earth was developed to require faith, where it looks like God doesn't care, but he really does. Now, you guys have already walked through that door where you've become Christian, but there are realities that still offend where we can open up the door and we can understand God in a deeper way that will open up new realities, not just salvation. We need prophetic understanding of his character. Can I have the worship team come up? This is so exciting to me. I want to understand. I don't want to act like somebody who's entitled. I don't like giving things to entitled children. I don't think he does either. What she did was audacious and it can look entitled, but it was so humble. You're not giving it to me because I deserve it. You're giving it to me because you love me. I don't deserve healing, but I come to you and I, and I ask again because I know who you are. Other people say other things that you don't do these things, but I know who you are. I've heard of your glory. I've heard of your mercy. Lord, I pray that you would give us a revelation of your glory and that we would come to you asking you to open up these doors because of your glory, your beauty, your mercy, not because of our own righteousness or position. You don't make us children so that we can act entitled. You make us children because you're glorious and we need to keep that in mind that this is a gift. Humble audacity. Oh, that's good. Lord, I pray humble audacity over all of us.